This is episode 154 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. This time I have Dwayne Brown on the show. He is founder and head of strategy at takesomerisk.com and we talk about the three ingredients to build a profitable Shopify business. So let's get right into it. But before we get started, a big thank you to our sponsors for supporting today's episode. Attention all business owners, tired of struggling with ineffective data integration? Real Omni offers a unique solution for your business to achieve long-term growth. With tailored integrations to match your corporate strategy, you can expect improved results. VL Omni's managed service approach gives you fast implementation and scalability across all channels. Choose VL Omni for a different and more effective data integration solution. Visit VL Omni today. That's V-L-O-M-N-I dot com. This is the e-commerce coffee break. A top-rated Shopify growth podcast dedicated to Shopify merchants and business owners looking to grow their online stores. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get marketing advice you can't find on Google. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to, to the, the show. show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce Coffee Break. Today, we want to talk about the three ingredients to building a profitable Shopify business. Now, what does that mean? A lot of shore owners struggle to find a strategy, a way to create clarity, to focus on the things that are really matter and what matters makes your business better and stronger and only with that you can build a resilient and profitable business and that's what we dive into today as an expert today on the show i have Dwayne brown with me Dwayne is called an international man of mystery and digital nomad by friends he has lived in six cities across three continents and visited 42 countries around the world so he's very well traveled over the years Dwayne has had the opportunity to work with brands including azos birdies pillar case jack wills and more Dwayne and his team help e-commerce and DTC brands grow through PPC marketing, data, and conversion rate optimization. So let's welcome Dwayne to the show. Hi, Dwayne. How are you today? I'm doing great, class. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Dwayne, building a business is not easy. Specifically in e-commerce, ever-evolving new things coming down the line all the time. Talking about three ingredients from your experience to dive right into it. What is the mystical three ingredients that we are talking about. Building a business today is not easy at all. It is hard. It's even harder in sort of in a recession or stagflation, whatever you want to call the period right now, where people have less money to spend on things. I don't think the three things we're going to talk about are a secret here, but I think when people are building a business, they often think that if they just do this one thing over here, they're going to grow their business. When reality is you've got to do lots of things right to grow any business, whether you sell cell phone cases or candles, or you've got the next bike that people want to buy and bike around Europe and Africa and North America and stuff like that. And so the three things people need to have to have a successful business are, one, you need to have product market fit, right? You need to have a product that people actually want to buy. And even though lots of people may sell your product already, it doesn't mean they have product market fit all the time. They can just be trying to sell it because other people are trying to sell it. So having product market fit is probably the most important thing. Because if you have that, Everything else in running the business becomes a lot easier. The second thing people really need to have is they need to do marketing. Oftentimes, brands will come to us and say, hey, we want to do Google or shopping ads or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, and they want to spend all their money on that one channel. But to grow a successful business today, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. So you shouldn't just do TikTok. You shouldn't just do Facebook. You shouldn't just do Google. Ideally, a brand would be doing two or three of those things. On top of, they'd also do things like SEO, email marketing. PR, 
all those marketing channels work together to build a better business. Just relying on one channel, even if it was just SEO or just PR, is not going to get a business forward. And then the last thing at the end of the day, really, is brands need to think about how they build sort of a mobile experience. You need to make sure they have a site that works on mobile devices, because unlike 10 years ago, we used to see half your traffic come from mobile, nobody convert. Today, it's half your traffic come from mobile and half the people convert. And so you're seeing half your business today on mobile more than it ever was in the last 10 years. Klaus, you and I are probably roughly the same age. And so as we've grown up, people have called it the year of mobile. This year really is the year of mobile. It's just taken us 10 years to get there. And it's taken consumer habits 10 years to catch up where people feel comfortable buying on mobile devices because sites are made for mobile devices. And so if you're a business today and you want to be successful, you've got to have product market fit. You've got to have your marketing going, which isn't just doing Facebook. It isn't just doing Google. And then you've got to build a site for the mobile audience today because people are not only researching a mobile device, they are shopping on a mobile device. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Now you're the founder and head of strategy at TakeSomeRisk.com. You're talking also about revenue optimization. And that's a topic I'm very interested in. Everyone in the last year, there was a big topic, conversion rate optimization all the time. By now, I think everyone knows what that is. But the next step there is revenue optimization. Give me a bit of a around what that actually means. We think of revenue optimization a little bit different than CRO, right? CRO often for people is just, I want to improve my conversion rate. Problem with improving your conversion rate is if the people who are coming to your site currently aren't people you want as customers, getting more of those customers are actually going to build you a better business, right? Often you got to think you have to optimize for the people you want to buy from your store. Good example I always think about years ago. And I don't know if the story is true, but I think about it and when I heard it was there used to be a bank in England and they used to have a million customers. And they realized that 20% of their customers often took up 80% of their time of customer service, emailing and having questions about their accounts and how they work and stuff like that. And so one day the bank decided to do something no bank would ever do is just fire those 20% of their customers. And the reason they fired 20% of their customers is because they realized if you're going to take up 80% of our resources, we can easily just fire you as customers and instantly make a more profitable business. And so just like that bank, e-commerce have to ask themselves, are the people we're getting today the right kind of customers for our business? Because if you can get customers who buy your product, love your product, come back for repurchases, don't really bother your customer service team, you would build a better business than people who have something come to their store, buy from them, and then take up all their time in the customer service. People are generally lazy on the internet, so they're going to ask you questions on your customer service team. But you don't want people who are going to be in your inbox every day, every week, when their questions they have, questions they could have went on their website or found, or they're just going to be that annoying customer that complains a lot. And so we think about revenue optimization as helping clients optimize the revenue for profitability versus purely optimizing the website for a higher conversion rate. We often may not want to get a higher conversion rate. Maybe we want to just focus on which of the customers are bringing them that actually make the business really strong and how do we get more of those customers to come in. So customers that have a high average order value, customers that come back and make their second purchase in 30 days or in 60 days versus 90 days, 180 days. And so we optimize for revenue and profitability versus optimizing just for a higher conversion rate, which I think for most brands is a misnomer unless your conversion rate is below a one. If it's below a one, then you should probably optimize your conversion rate. If it's below, if it's above a one, Optimize for your customers. Oh, makes perfect sense. Like that you used the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principles on firing your worst customers. I've never heard that. I, I really love it. Usually I'm a big fan of that, but usually it's for me like 20% gives you 80% of your revenue, something like that. So that's basically putting it upside down. Now, when it comes to strategies to exactly achieve that, to focus on the main things, what are your main strategies to exactly 
build a profitable business on Shopify? There's a couple of ways we look at that. There's the obvious one you can do and people know they should do, but often don't do it because they're busy running the business. It's like talk to your customers. If you decide that a VIP customer buys from you twice within 60 days and spends, let's say, $400 with you, you should start to talk to those customers to find out like, why do they buy from you? What made them purchase? Why do they buy those products versus other products? And then sort of use that information you collect to then run better marketing campaigns to talk about those things of why they buy. People said they bought because your product solved their problem. Then you should talk about that problem in your Facebook ads or in your Google ads so you can attract more people to your website that have that problem. And so interviewing customers online is really great. But if you've got stores or you do a pop-up or like some of our clients go to a big craft market in Toronto, I literally went to the craft market and I sat down and talked to lots of women about pajamas and why they buy pajamas. As a gay man who has very few women in my life, other than my mom and a few female friends, I have no idea why women buy pajamas. But to spend a half an hour with them to talk about them revolutionized what we do for that brand because now I can take that copy they've given me and put it in their ads and attract more women who want to buy pajamas that are going to make them feel good. They're not going to have hot flashes. They're not going to sweat too much. So really talking to people in person will get you better information than doing an online survey. But if you can't talk to people in person, online service is the next best thing. People often know they need to do this, but they don't do it because they're busy running the business. But if you want to have a better business, you should be talking to your customers. Yeah, I think that's a very good point there. A lot of business don't do that. And even picking up the phone and talking to people who have just ordered from you and finding out why did you order from us? will have a lot of versions to get a better understanding about the client and what's actually working and what's not working. Now, with this three, coming back to the three ingredients to building a profitable Shopify business, obviously retention is one, conversion is another one, traffic is the third one. Without traffic, you don't have a business. We see right now traffic, paid traffic is becoming increasingly difficult for smaller brands that don't have big budgets. Why is it sometimes that just paid ads don't work for a brand? What's your experience there? Our experience would often say, that you've got the wrong person driving the car. Oftentimes, store owners think that like our agency is like every other agency out there, or they kind of think that like my mechanic is like every other mechanic, right? If you're shaking your head right now and you're going, yeah, my mechanic's really amazing. He's not like every other mechanic or she's not like every other mechanic. Well, agencies are like that as well. Every agency, you can't just replace it for another agency, right? And so making sure you've got the right person driving the car is really important. This game is often like, chess but often people think it's like a game of checkers and so if you hire the wrong people who think it's like a game of checkers versus a game of chess you're often going to get poor results great example i like to give and so i talked about this on reddit yesterday actually is that when it comes to a lot of your campaigns there's a language setting in your campaign and people often misunderstand and think that if i put that language set into english that my ads will always show up when somebody types in english into google and that's actually incorrect because what that setting does is it allows Google to show an ad anytime a signal is related to English. So if I type in Spanish, but I visited English websites in the past, Google will still show me an ad even though I typed in Spanish. If I type in Spanish and I've clicked on lots of ads in the past that are English, Google will still show me that ad because I've typed, clicked on things in the past that are English. And so if you're one of the signals where it's what you've browsed in the past, it's what you've typed into Google, or the device setting on your device is set to English, even if you type in French or Spanish or Chinese, as long as you're in a location where you can serve a Google ad, Google will serve that ad to that person, even though what they've typed into Google is in English. And so understanding the fundamentals of Google ads is really important. And clients don't understand that not everybody understands those fundamentals. And so when you pick the wrong settings for your campaign, you've already set yourself up for not having success. You set yourself up to fail. 
And so the hardest thing for a lot of clients is making sure you pick the right people. I get that money is tight, but much like anything else in life, if you wouldn't hire a cheap mechanic or a cheap lawyer or a cheap dentist, don't go cheap on who you run your ads because it's going to cost you more money in the long run because your performance isn't going to be there. You're not going to make as much sales and you're going to be unprofitable on top of what you've paid the agency. And now a quick break to thank the sponsors of today's episode. Attention all retailers. Do you want to provide your customers with a seamless shopping experience? No matter where they shop, they expect and deserve an easy, hassle-free experience. But what do you do? Don't you deserve a solution that integrates your systems, channels and partners without wasting time on manual processes? VL Omni is the answer. They are an integration platform partner for real-time, agile and scalable iPaaS data integration. Their platform integrates your systems, channels and partners, giving you visibility, flexibility and time to grow and expand your business. Top global merchants choose Real Omni to move data seamlessly and integrate their businesses, delivering a fully integrated customer experience that exceeds expectations. With 30 years of data integration expertise, let them fit the Real Omni solution to match your business strategy. Visit VL Omni today and let their expertise guide you. That's VLOMNI.com. Okay, very good tip there. Actually, I didn't know that. You just gave me a very good tip. It's a bit embarrassing. I've doing Google Ads for 20 years, but that was news for me. So thanks for that. I take some risk. Obviously, you're working with a lot of Shopify merchants. When it comes to strategy on running ads, omni-channel, what's your best take there is like, how do you split off marketing budget over different channels to get the best results? Well, what you think about is one of our clients come to us and they're starting at 5K a month, right? They don't got a lot of money. Sometimes about 3,000 for real of what they sell. We know we can sell it, but all things equal, people start at 5K. And so what we often ask ourselves, based on the product that is in front of us right now, is this a searchable product? i.e. are lots of people going to search for this product on Google or potentially Amazon. If it's a searchable product, we're going to start out on Google or Amazon as a place to be because we want to make it easy for people to buy our product. If it's not a searchable product, then we might start out on Facebook or TikTok. And the reason we start out on one ad platform is oftentimes we find brands will spread their budget too thin. They'll take their 5,000. They want to put 1,000 on TikTok and 2,000 on Facebook and 2,000 on Google. And what often happens, like when a car gets stuck in mud, you often spin your wheels, but don't go anywhere really quickly. And so we'd rather put all our money to start in one platform, get it where it's bringing in consistent sales and revenue every day, every week. And then we have to scale of the budget to 10K or 20K a month. And then we've got the predictable revenue coming in. Then we ask the client for more budget and say, let's start with Microsoft or Amazon or Facebook. So instead of trying to be everywhere at once, we really focus on an ad platform, get it in real good shape, and then expand from there to other platforms. If for some reason the client doesn't have more budget, it's probably better to spend all your money on Google and then work with the client to figure out what they're going to do for email, for SEO, for PR, all the other market channels we talked about earlier. But you should never start on one platform if you only have three or four or $5,000 a month because you're going to end up spreading your budget too thin and you're not going to see the success that you want. What's the biggest pitfalls or issues that you see with direct-to-customer brands at this point? The biggest pitfall, I think we've all probably seen it online, is they all kind of look generic and they all kind of look the same. There's no distinction of why I should buy from one cellular brand versus the other cellular brand. If you're going to go into a very competitive space, you need to kind of understand how is your e-commerce brand or your DTC brand going to stand out from all the competition. If you just got a cheaper price or your site looks slightly nicer, that isn't really one way to distinguish your brand from your competition. So I think having some sort of viewpoint that makes you stand out is going to be really important in the market today. There's lots of DTC brands out there. We've got a list of DTC brands that 1,200 brands from around the world. Obviously, there are a lot of brands in America, but the other 40% are from Canada, Australia, Germany, other parts of Europe, Africa. And so really understanding like how your brand is going to compete with those brands in your country and in your continent is going to mean that it's easier for you to stand out in the marketplace when you think about how you're going to position your brand 
whether it's organically on TikTok or paid on TikTok or Facebook or Google, because it's competitive out there. I'm coming from the side of Shopify, but for a lot of brands, other sales channels like Amazon might be a good additional sales channel or maybe even the main one. So is there a strategy from your side how you would recommend where to start with? Sales channel would be the most important for a brand. Most clients come to us and they're already on a channel. It's very rare that they're not. So we'll kind of do an assessment of like, are they actually getting sales on this channel? Does this channel work? If it's a product that maybe people wouldn't search for on Google, but they would search for it on Amazon, then it would make sense to start on Amazon. Over the last year, we've seen a lot of our clients start to want to actually advertise on Amazon when before they wouldn't advertise on Amazon. We're doing their Google, we're doing their Microsoft, we're doing their Amazon. We've got their paid social covered as well. And so Amazon, I think, really makes sense if we go into a deeper recession or some sort of stagflation. Because people instinctively always assume that Amazon is still the cheapest price, even though Amazon isn't always the cheapest price. And so lots of people will go there for a product search. And so I think just testing out Amazon as a brand for, let's say, three months during a busy season, see if it can work as a revenue channel and if you can be profitable, and then decide if you want to be there. I don't think people should just say no to Amazon like they did in the past. Because if you want to be able to drive sales, drive revenue, get customers, lots of people go to Amazon whether you like it or not. People going to Amazon have a bias intention. They go there to buy something. Makes perfect sense. When it comes to your budget, what are you willing to pay for a new customer? Things have become incredibly expensive. So smaller brands with a small profit margin will struggle nowadays. What's your perfect customer? So what kind of profit margin, what kind of product industry do you work with? Yeah, I don't say we work in any particular industry. I mean, we do have a lot of like sort of fashion apparel clothing clients. That's just because those clients usually need a lot of help. But we sell everything from candles and mountain bikes to cell phone cases to part of my French, but stripper shoes to everything else, including kids costumes for Halloween. When we look at profit margin, we try to get people who have like at minimum a 30, 40% profit margin, maybe even 50 or 60 if we're really lucky. We do take on clients that are in the 20, 25% profit margin, but obviously they need a higher return on ad spend to be successful. And so those clients that only have a 20, 25% profit margin, we then want to look for clients that have a high average order value. Because if you have a high average order value, it becomes a lot easier to hit your return on ad spend if you have a low profit margin. So let's say your average order value is $150, $200, and you have only 20% margin, it's probably easier for us to achieve success versus if you only have a $50 average order value. So outside of profit margin, we look at average order value and what it's been, not just across paid ads, but across the website as a whole. We also look at the conversion rate. It's not to say we wouldn't take you on if your conversion rate was below 1%, but we try to take on clients at least at 1%. We've got a couple of clients that are below that and we're making it work, but it's definitely a lot challenging because you've got to work, obviously work with the client to get up their conversion rate. We'll work with them at the same time to increase the average order value so you can have a better chance of success. But we tell clients this, we set the expectation. They're saying they're willing to work on the website. They're willing to work, and improve, they're willing to work on improving their average order value. So yeah, we look at average order value and profit margin kind of go from there. Okay. What's the process if somebody wants to work with you guys? Do I have to do some homework before I approach you? What's the onboarding process? There's a bit of homework. So two years ago, I realized, Klaus, that I couldn't tell looking at a website if somebody was making $1,000 a day or a million dollars a day. I just realized I couldn't do that. It's literally impossible. And so we put together a Google form that we ask everybody to fill out that helps us tell us what was your revenue last year? What's your revenue this year? What's your conversion rate? What's your profit margin? What's your CPA? What's your ROAS? What are you spending on ads right now? What channels? What country? What platform you're on? I mean, 99% of our clients are on Shopify, so it's usually Shopify, but it's good to know 
Are you on Shopify or Shopify Plus? Because Plus, we can customize the checkout. And then we also ask things like, how many SKUs do you have? Do you have an email list? What's your conversion rate and stuff like that on email or open rate on email? We ask everybody to fill it out. We've had probably four or five brands tell us they don't want to fill it out. And we told them, thank you for reaching us. We're not going to talk to you. We won't talk to anyone. I don't care who it is without putting it out. Because I realize if I can't tell how good is your business is doing just by looking at your website, we need the right information to understand, can we make this business work? Like, is this a business that we can be successful with? And so if you're not willing to do the five minutes of homework to fill out this form, because most of these numbers relatively know how to find, then it doesn't make sense that we're going to give you a half an hour of our time for free to talk with you about your business. And that's kind of it. Once you fill it out, we kind of decide if we want to talk to you or not. Most people, we want to at least have an initial conversation. For the few that we don't, we just email them back and say, hey, we don't want to talk to you because of these reasons. It doesn't make sense. It's not fit. And then we talk to you, we want to talk to you. And then after that, we might have one other meeting if it's a larger organization. Otherwise, most people, we just decide if you want to work with us at the end of the day. Like, do you want to get married to me and the team? Because we're going to go to battle for you if you don't. We're probably not the right fit. If you do want to get married to us, because this is like a marriage when you work with an agency, then let's get together and see what we can make happen with whatever you sell. Like We don't really care what people sell, to be honest. I used to care about that in my 20s. And as I got older, I'm like, sometimes the most fun stuff are the weird, boring things that other people don't want to sell. Like Some people would say cell phone cases are boring, but they're actually really fun to sell in line because it's a hyper-competitive industry. And you've got to find a way to take a, such a commodity product and make it distinctly unique. No, good point there, good point. Now, there's a million and one different models to work financially with a agency. How is it structured with you guys? We're definitely a little bit different out there. We've seen more brands take up our model over the last couple of years. We've had this model since February 2018. So we actually break our fee into two parts. So part one is we charge everybody a monthly strategy fee because we think there's two jobs we're doing. We're doing research and strategies part one. We're trying to think about what we're going to work on and make sure we pick the right things on the to-do list. Because even though your to-do list might be eight or 12 items long, if you pick the wrong things on the to-do list, you're not going to move your business forward. And it's the same thing with paid ads. If you pick the wrong things to do with paid ads, we're not going to move the ad account forward. And so making sure we're spending time doing research on keywords, research on like the latest betas from Google or Microsoft or Facebook is really important. Make sure we pick the right things to work on is really important. So we charge every client a strategy fee there are no exceptions. And then the other half for a fee is just usually a 10% of ad spend, sometimes a little bit lower, sometimes a little bit higher. It kind of depends on like what a client is spending right now, what they could spend in the future. But the average across clients is usually around 10%. And then that's it. And that goes towards like obviously managing the ad account, optimizing the ad account, picking keywords, managing the shopping feed, making sure the shopping feed is the best it could possibly be based on our framework and structure that we've talked about at tons of conferences, including Brighton SEO. And that's, that's kind of it. You know, it's two jobs are being hired to do. We don't want people who think our job is just to run the ad account. There's more than just running the ad account. And if you don't do all the work, you're probably not going to see the success that you want to see. Yeah. The value leaks is definitely in the strategy. Without the strategy, everyone can maintain an ad account, but the strategy is for sure a core key component to make it successful. Where can people find more about you? I'm on LinkedIn a lot more these days, which is not something I thought I would say. I've also spent a bit of time on Reddit, on the sub PPC subthread. And then I'm also on Reddit. Beyond that, I'm on like Twitter. So just like Dwayne Brown on Twitter, Dwayne Brown on LinkedIn. On Reddit, it's just Fathom53. Those are probably the three places I spend time on our own website to make sure it's the best website possible for us. Sounds great. Okay. I will put the link in the show notes as always. And you just one click away. Dwayne, I think that was a good overview of the main ingredients that you need to focus on as a Shopify merge to grow your business and then obviously have a successful business over time. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Klaus. I appreciate it. Before you leave, don't forget to visit the sponsor of today's episode. 
Attention all business owners. Tired of struggling with ineffective data integration? Real Omni offers a unique solution for your business to achieve long-term growth. With tailored integrations to match your corporate strategy, you can expect improved results. VL Omni's managed service approach gives you fast implementation and scalability across all channels. Choose VL Omni for a different and more effective data integration solution. Visit VL Omni today. That's VL omni.com. And that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found today's episode informative and actionable. As a reminder, we have a growing community of e-commerce professionals where you can share your insights, ask questions and learn from other merchants. If you're interested in joining, please visit our website at ecommercecoffeebreak.com and sign up for the community. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to stay updated on the latest marketing trends and strategies for Shopify e-commerce merchants. See you next time.